So the idea behind um, inviting you to have this conversation, Brian, was to get together with people whose work I really respect and to just have a, a public conversation. Yeah. Um, to explore, well, to really to start a conversation, I think, yeah. with the simple, because that's yeah. really what my life has been about and, and what interests me is, is it, where it all comes from for me is not really as a philosopher or a writer or anything like that. It comes from being a passionately curious human being who finds himself experiencing this and see, like my father-in-law just died. So, you know, he lives with us. And so there's, whoa. And, and so the question I want to start us off with, and I, which I really want to pose to you, and I know it's a big one and kind of crazy, but it is what is this, do you think? And what, what have you made of it in your life? <laughs> great, great. <laughs> I've been interviewed a lot of times. No one's ever asked. That. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Hey, who, who, uh, what's your um, audience? Do you have any feel for that? Who yeah, watches? Really, really wide. So I think just, um, just, just, I, I think we can just, I think we'll just have a conversation and just, you know, use the language we would want to use and people will, will pick up on it. That's what I'm thinking. That's great. Yeah. Sounds perfect. <clears throat> So, what do you think? <laughs> we, we, started. we started. We started. We have. Okay. Um, yeah, that's such, <laughs> such an amazing question. Um, ask it again. Okay, so what I'm, what I'm homing in on here is, is this simple sense of, look, we're alive. Yeah. We've both been alive a few decades. You're a little bit longer than me. Yeah, we've both been exploring what this is. What, what is the? Where have you arrived? Have you, where have you arrived at, even provisionally? Yeah, as to what yeah. this is, what you make of it, what we should be doing with it. This. Yeah. What is this experience? <laughs> I love the question. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm surprised I don't have an answer. But I mean, I will come up with something, but uh, I love, um, I just love it. I mean, that, that in itself seems really, of course, to me, that immediately feels, well, that's interesting as well, isn't it? But yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, it is. Because <laughs> it is interesting. Shouldn't I have a reason or um, at least a beat on the whole thing? I mean, I, I would say, uh, I would say something like, For me, um, it, it has to do with, with um, amazement. I would just put it at that. I think that there's something, for me, um, there's something about amazement and, and about um, adventure, um, creativity, love, joy. Those are the kinds of words that I feel uh, orient me in my life. Amazement, yeah. adventure, joy, love. I, I, feel like, I feel like I am, we are, we're, we're, we're in this amazing um, drama and we don't, 
we don't fully know what's going on, but what we, what we do know is that it is incredible. Yeah, I, I would put it there. I feel like, uh, I feel like that we're being, being drawn into something deep and wonderful and hard, right? And challenging, um, whose, whose ultimate meaning escapes us. But it's just, it's the, thr the thrill is to be part of it. That's, that's my life right there, Tim. Wow. That's the whole thing. <laughs> wow. And to be with, you know, to be with others. Like, you know, you and I, uh, we've, we've been exploring this, this uh, mystery forever. And it's, it's so satisfying to feel the same search taking place in another so that we have our, we have our communities and yeah. Anyway, I would say that I, I what I what I what I really love about that about your response, Brian, is and, and why it resonates obviously, as you might expect with my own, is that it starts off so open ended. It doesn't start well, I think this. It starts up with with the feeling of discovery. But yeah. I want to push you a little bit and go, okay, so I get that. I mean, I really get that. And 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 for me, every idea I have is rooted in a deep not knowing and a deep appreciation of mystery and wonder is the word that comes to mind for me and yeah. amazement, you know, that wow of that it is at all and that I'm experiencing it. And, and then I'm going to, okay, so how, and how does your, you have brought in to our attention, this amazing appreciation of cosmology. Yeah. How does your vision of the universe and what the universe is uh, even provisionally, fit with that sense of wonder and awe? Well, I would, I would even say that um, my sense of wonder you know, comes uh, from the universe, meaning, just meaning that, I mean, ever since I was little, um, I, I was just amazed by, by what we knew. But, you know, I mean, it's not what we knew. I was amazed when I learned that the, the sun was a million times the size of Earth. I mean, I just, I, I had a, you know, it was like in grade school, I had this little sense of, a, of, of numbers, and I just would look up at the sun and, you know, try to imagine that. So, and then, it never ended. I mean, I was a little kid, and I was just going about my business and astonished by the size of the sun. And then, I mean, I spent my whole life studying the universe. Um, I feel like I know very little. I mean, in the sense of, even though the knowledge we've gained is, is precious and, and immense in a certain way, there's just so much we don't know. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I hope that's not an odd answer, but I'm just saying the wonder, the awe, I think comes from my, my amazement at finding, finding myself in the midst of this. Yeah. Do you, find, do you find that something I notice a lot is, especially as I get older, is that the more I find out and the more that I, I come to a perspective that I go, no, I, this is the perspective I'm exploring for sure now. So the more I know on the one hand, or provisionally know, um, yeah. the more wonder it, it brings with it, the more mystery it, it, it contains. Not, you know, not that, less. Is, that, that, 
that statement right there, right there. If that, if that statement, I even have goosebumps right now, just hearing you say it. If that statement could be used by all of us who teach, especially science, yeah. if that statement could, could organize the way in which we introduce these young humans to the universe, we would have a different world. Because the, the way it comes across, you know, when you're a kid is they, you know, the scientists have all the answers and so forth. And I, I mean, I, there's nothing I value more in terms of knowledge than science. That's just who I am. But what you said is exactly the case. That the more we learn, the more marvelous it seems. Now, we humans can find a way to convince ourselves to close down that the marvelous dimension of the universe. I mean, the, the famous statement by, uh, you know, uh, this great, great physicist, Steven Weinberg. I mean, it, he's so brilliant. And he made the statement, the more we know about the universe, the more it seems pointless. Yeah. I mean, just such a horrible thing to yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and he said it in a book written about the first three minutes of the universe. So j just to arrive at that, that collapsed state when yeah. one thinks it, it all amounts to nothing, so sad. Whereas, whereas your perspective of, of knowledge is a pathway into wonder, into amazement. The thing that, is, one of the, is, one, one of the things which I love about the evolutionary perspective, which you've been pioneering and which has had a big influence on me, and which always surprises me, it surprises me when I hear scientists and, and take, that, take that approach often through a kind of reductionist lens, and especially, I guess, with physicists, because they're, they're, they're studying the most basic form of emergence. Um, yeah. So if you, if, you were, if you think the most basic is more, more real, then you're going to end up with no value. Yeah. Because value is an emergent property that's going to come much later. If you have a view that the more emergent is just as real, but on a more emergent level, maybe more real in that sense, yeah. then the thing which has arrived at you and me having this conversation in, in where, I don't know where, in a realm which has no space and yeah. has no particular form, a place of ideas, that is, that is where the value will come, where you, where you go, wow. I mean, that's where yeah. the appreciation of the mystery comes not until then yeah yeah that's um and i think i i do think that that uh, modern science had a commitment to reductionism as you're saying as a way of i think really of liberating a an investigation that had previously been chained to tradition yeah. and religion yeah. And they just wanted to break with that. But, yeah. but I, I think what you just said is, is the way in which science will move in the future, namely that these stages of emergence are, are moments when the real comes forth. Yeah. yeah. So in the reductionist point of view, that's all seen as epiphenomenal. But we're easing out of that, don't you think? I, I, think I hope so. I do think so, yeah. because it feels like science itself <clears throat> reductionist science actually yeah. probably originally has come up with this utterly awesome vision of the universe 
as an evolving yeah. as something existing not not just in time but kind of made of time it's time it's this expanding time and 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 with it this this emergence on ever new levels all of which are still here and it's just such a sublime vision and it yeah. flies completely in the face of reductionism because it, yeah. it goes the whole purpose has been to start from something well a whole thread at least has been to start from something very simple and end up on something so rich which can't be reduced to, i mean the obvious example i always think of and it is kind of obvious is if there was just the chemicals in our bodies sitting on these chairs they would not be having a conversation yeah you know it's yeah. we're obviously a lot more than what we're made of because there'd just be a pile of chemicals <laughs> there would be no <laughs> nothing would be interesting would be being said something more has arisen <laughs> yeah absolutely and you had a phrase see if you can bring it back it just struck me the um it's the emergence of time or I, yeah, I was saying it is a flow of time that it's actually I can't remember the exact phrase I used, but it's not yeah. in time. It's actually made of time. It's there it is. There it is. Yes, exactly. So that is the, ult the ultimate nature of our existence is time. So yeah. we are made of time. That's a great yeah. phrase. Yeah, okay. that's... I've never heard that before. Tim, that's a nice one. That's we central, I think, to this new the philosophy I've been developing. Yes. Which is, which is that the, what I notice is that it feels like the metaphor we have in English of time passing is a, is, a, yes. is a bad metaphor. Yes. Because it seems to me that time doesn't pass, it accumulates. Yeah. And that, and that, that this moment contains implicitly within it everything that's ever happened. Yes. Right the way back to the Big Bang and probably before that. But the, the you know, and that right now, you know, if it, if it didn't, it wouldn't be this moment. So that the, the, there's an accumulation of information always realizing a new potentiality. No, I love that. And it, let's just stay with it for a minute because I think it's probably, this is probably the highlight of our conversation that we are made of time, the universe is made of time. And, and so just to dwell on this another minute, yeah. uh, you know, so then now compare that to what you also said, we have the idea of time passing. Yeah. And that, that, that comes, we have that view because of Newton. So Isaac Newton had the idea of, of a universal time. It's like a universal clock that's ticking away. And what happens then is that, so you have time is ticking, and then we are the atoms. You know, we are just these atoms in the reductionist point of view, the reductionist point of view. But now if, 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 we, if we can go beyond, and now the reason we can go beyond that is, is Einstein's, special theory of relativity, which demolished Newton's sense of universal time. So now time is something that is, it's creative. And it's, and so then in that, in that sense, even the, even the atoms are made of time. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. The atoms are made of time and the atoms, so that just stringing this out, yeah, the yeah. atom, the atoms that came forth, uh, 380,000 years after the birth of the universe, those atoms are different than the atoms today because, as you say, everything is made out of an accumulated time. Yeah. So the atoms of, the atoms of today are actually ontologically different than back then. I mean, it, that, see, that orientation makes it exciting, right? Yeah. We're not, 
we're not just chemicals sitting here. We're, we, we are enmeshed in this, this adventure in time. And it, and it kind of points to why there is this tendency towards evolutionary emergence for me, because it's like, well, it's accumulating. And so it's richer. This is now a richer moment than when we first met, because this has happened. And yeah. this will be in us now forever. We are this. Yeah. We, are, yeah. we are everything we've ever experienced. That's what makes you and you me. But also, it makes everything what it is. So that, that there is, and it, and it kind of reaches back and back for, well, forever. Um, and and know, the, the, just to say that, you know, people will often um, ask me, well, where's God in this when they're talking to me or, or spirit and so forth? And I, I, um, I'm not trained in, um, in theology and, or um, spiritual traditions the way you are. So I, I tend not to, um, I just don't want to pronounce um, on matters that I'm not an expert in. However, that having been said, that my, my sense of an, of an ultimate reality or of a divine reality is, is exactly what you just described. So that we have, we're made of time, it actually accumulates and, and evolves. And so we find ourselves right in the midst of this, this emergent creative energy. And we're part of it. It is who we are. That, that's kind of, now we've summarized everything, I think, right there. <laughs> okay, so I want to try this on you, Brian, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm going to give you, over the last period, it's kind of crystallized down to uh, a phrase that I've been, you know, to work with as a hypothesis. And I'm pretty sure it comes from you, or at least the inspiration. <laughs> I think the inspiration came from the universe story, which I read a long, long time ago. And it obviously had been sitting in me and moving around. So Can I ask? Can I, ask? I mean, I want to get to your phrase, but... okay. It's, you know, I don't, I don't meet a lot of people that have read a book of mine. So this is a good moment. What, but how did you come across it? Do you mind telling me? <clears throat> I was given was it. Glastonbury, was it? Pardon? Was it in Glastonbury or was it? And it I was given it. Um, I was recommended it by a friend I trust um, who uh, said, you must read this book. And, and because I was recommended it by the friend I trust, I sat down and read it and, and, it's one of the books on my shelf, which has got lots of different colored pen on it because it's been oh, many times. Yeah. Thank you. And I appreciate it. Okay. okay. So, it's, so it's, I mean, I think it's an immense work and, and really has a huge influence on me. And in particular, I think yeah. this, and I'm hoping yeah. now you're going to go, yes, and not go, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I like it, but still. As I remember, and I haven't yeah. gone back to check, so well, yeah. as I remember, there is a passage where in effect you and Thomas Berry say something like, you know, what came before the Big Bang? And then you say something like, well, what we can say surely is that it came from the potentiality for the universe, the potentiality for yeah. Beethoven, yeah. the potentiality for life, the potentiality for atoms, the potentiality for Holocaust. Now, every, everything yeah. that's happened, it must yeah. come from the potentiality for that. And yeah, exactly, yeah. That is, I think, an extraordinarily profound and essentially simple insight. Yeah. So here's my current hypothesis, which everything I'm doing is kind of about exploring, yeah. which is, what is this? This is the realization of potentiality on ever more emergent levels. 
that's what it is. And yeah. that's what's happening in every moment. It's happening now. And yeah. that as the past accumulates, there is a tendency towards greater emergence. Yeah. And the deepest things come last. And yeah. because yeah. They, they need the rest first. And so what we're in is this, in, is this, and, this and every moment is then a, a meeting of the past and the possible. Everything that has been and the potentiality for what everything that could be. And that new, that new creative moment can take everything that has been. And its only limit, it must include everything that's been. Yeah, and the next moment will always include everything that's been, but it will take, yeah. be in a new way, in a new way, and be, and and in a deeper way. So the, that's the, and what I'm trying to do with the philosophy I just did when I when I saw you and I was doing this talk at TEDx in Berkeley was really a, was a was having a go at, and my book Soul Story has been having a go. At. It's going okay. Can I expand that to include the teachings and esoterica about? the immortality of the soul, the existence of meaning. Can, are those also emergent properties of the universe? Yeah. So that yeah. the things which I've been studying all my life, they are also, they are deep emergent possibilities because everything, there is no thing eternal. The thing, it's, there's form, formless potentiality and then this accumulation of time through which things are, greater and greater things are realized. So what do you think? Does that, does that? No, it's absolutely beautiful. I love it. Um, and as, <clears throat> uh, by the way, I, I loved your TEDx talk. It was fantastic. The way, I love the way they organized it. Every, everybody should see that. When they had your major ideas above, and it was just so well done. And you were, you were great. Yeah, but I, I think you just, you've just articulated a, a, a beautiful way of saying what is happening. And as you're speaking, as you're speaking, uh, what, came, what came to me, <clears throat> because I'm a teacher, right? See, because I'm a teacher, I thought, oh, God, if, if we had a way of allowing um, our students, and anyone, I know anyone, but I'm thinking people I teach, if we had a way of allowing them to feel themselves right there at the intersection of the acute of the total past and the, the possibility i mean that is you know i mean we have um it's a it's always on my mind in the united states of america you know we are losing seventy thousand people to opioids a year that that's more than the entire toll of americans in the in the vietnam war and i i um i they i just feel like they they are in search people like they get wrapped up in that type of spiraling down addiction they are in search yeah of the experience you just described yeah they want that you know yeah. they yeah there's a there's a I, I, there's a soul crisis there's a meaning crisis yeah. and it's because i do think it's because the 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 kind of objectivist scientism that view is so powerful that it feel people feel like they've got a choice of either going back to superstitious religion and they're probably not going to do that or, or that doesn't work or embracing this view well we've discovered it's all pointless and that's the options and anything else you're not it's wishful thinking you're not a rational person you're just woo woo and of course there is a lot of woo woo so that's easy to fall into but what i love about that vision which came from your book for me was it enabled me to go so it's not so much that life has a purpose, it's more that purpose is intrinsic to what existence is. 
because if if purpose if if, if what existence is is the realization of potentiality on ever more, more emergent levels, and I am part of the universe, then my purpose is to realize my own most emergent possibilities. And that is the, and, and to play a role in the collective doing that. And what greater meaning could yeah. you find? Yeah, and, and I wonder if you would agree with this, that <clears throat> finding your own purpose is related to the, uh, the, the common purpose yeah. or the, the, um, the, the wider purpose in which we find ourselves. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you could possibly find it otherwise because, because we're one and many, because we're part of, we're not separate from the universe. We are the universe individuated. Yeah. I think when we find our deep purpose, it's always linked into that. It's service, really, actually, in my experience. It ends yeah. up being service. Yeah. And, yeah. and also embodying the very qualities which the conversation started with, love, joy, you know, that it, passion Adventure. for inquiry, you know, all of those qualities, those are really emergent qualities, I think which is why when we get close to the edge, we find them. I completely agree. You know, I think, I think you know, in the, like in the Middle Ages, let's say of uh, Europe or China um, or India, they would, you're talking about the qualities. They, you know, the, the really wise people would have a sense of, of what qualities will surface from a person on a spiritual path. Right. So we'd be talking about um, all of these, but I, what you just said, so that what we are investigating <clears throat> are the qualities that would that emerge as one as one feels oneself in this intersection. To use that language, intersection of the of the past and the possible. I mean, it, there is there's just a, there's this rush of excitement and joy. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. And, and I, I do think um, that same kind of experience can be found with psychedelics. Mm -hmm. I, and, but I guess I'm just trying to say that there are different ways. Oh, yeah. Different ways into that experience. But I, I, I think it is, it's related to what we would now, that, that what in the former times they would call uh, the sacred or holy, right? I, I think that's a direct experience of of ultimacy that, that that at least is how i interpret it and i want it i want it for others you see i want it for my students and yeah i mean because don't, don't you feel driven oh to some degree yeah <laughs> to an unhealthy degree probably <laughs> no but you're doing such great work and you're and you're going into the world of the internet and i, I just think it's it's terrific tim and i and it's 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 a fabulous new possibility so people in Botswana and France can enter into, you know, what you are making available. I think it's just so great. <clears throat> so I'll, um, just to tie back into something you said earlier, Brian, and because um, it feels like it, we've, we've looked at the beginning, maybe we're looking at where it's going. You talked about God. And, and one of the things which it's kind of there, I think, in Pierre-Thierre de Chardin's ideas and, and although I don't understand him that clearly, I don't think, um, but it, it seems implicit in it, but I certainly feel it myself, is that, is that the, the thing which is giving, the universe is giving birth to, well, I'll just say it, I think the universe is giving birth to God. I think God is the most emergent thing yeah. um, I can imagine, the universe conscious of itself, if you will. 
and yeah. that my sense is that it's not where it's come from, it's where it's going. And that what's happening to us right now is that there's an awakening through the individual, this intense period of individuation that we've had, waking up from that and then as individuals waking up to this deep unity. I, I, I've needed a word for it. So I called, started talking about individuals, individuals conscious of unity. And that, and that when I look at what's happened, it seems like, wow, we, it's exploded, this sense of universal compassion. We can miss it because the news is always bad. But underneath, yeah. Yeah. Uh, people care on a level that's historically unprecedented. And I, and I feel like, look, that something, we're moving towards this next shift, which is individuating into something bigger than ourselves. <laughs> un, 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 individual. Individuals. Yes. Individuals. Univid <laughs> that is, that is, I love it. Unividuals. You know, it's, <clears throat> it reminds me of, um, of something that, that Carl Jung was trying to get at with, um, and he called it individuation. Yeah. But, you know, but it's not a good word. Because what Carl Jung meant was a, like a, a relationship with the whole as a distinct individual. Yes. So you see, that word, if he had, if he had heard you, he would have picked up. Well, you see, be, because of the nature of time, I had the yeah. advantage of him being first. So <laughs> I could right. take his word and go, that's a really good word for individuating. And golly, we've been doing that. Look at yeah. us. We're so individual now. This is the age of individualism without doubt. And it's been largely fantastic. Yeah. Not just, but largely. And yeah. now it feels like, but, but we've also hit the wall. We're beginning to you know, feel like, oh, yeah, there's, it's, being an individual is actually atomizing and, 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 and yeah. there's pain in that. And yet we can, so we've kind of come out of this unconscious collective into this conscious individuality. And it feels like, yeah, and if we can now move forward, then we can have a conscious unity. So we can, so, so part of the overall mythic scope that I see going right back to the Gnostic myths and the Indian myths is a movement from an unconscious oneness through ever increasing individual individuation to conscious oneness through the individual. That's the kind of mythic picture that I've, that I have in the back of my mind, I guess. I love it. And, and, and in the process that you're calling, let's, let me hear the word again. Unividuation or becoming a univigil. Unividuation. Unividuation. I love it. And you know, let me, um, let me just reflect on it with you in terms of the universe as a whole, because what you've described, uh, if you go back, you're going back into human history and you're looking at a sequence of development so that it, we needed that kind of like individuation, even hyper individuation, but now we're moving into unity, conscious unity. I mean, I so that, that is, that's seeing a fundamental pattern that um, we are part of. What I want to emphasize <clears throat> is that uh, the universe, the universe in its own depths uh, knows some of the developments it wants to go through. By which I mean, in the, in the, if we look at, if we went back in time, you know, 14 billion years ago to the universe in just a couple seconds old, what, what, what amazes me is that the universe at that time already knew, and they had to put quotations around the, the word knew because it's a form of knowing that's different than human knowing. But the universe already knew that it was, that already knew how to create stars and planets. And then, but, but the, 
one of the, the amazing thing is that a star goes through a particular sequence and that sequence enables the accumulation of the past. So what, what I, I guess what I'm trying to suggest is that um, the universe, you know, from the beginning had this potentiality for particular developmental patterns at the level of stars, at the level of galaxies, and picking up on what you're saying at the level of human consciousness. You know, so it's, it's, so do you yeah. think, so one of the, one of the thoughts I've been having with that and, and, and obviously the whole anthropic principle thing, you know, that the, the everything's so perfectly set up for us. And, and, and so a thought that I've been playing with as a way of just developing the simple, continuing the simple vision of this is existence is the realization of potentiality, just keeping with that very simple hypothesis is to, is to say, well, maybe people like Roger Penrose are right. Maybe this is, maybe universes give birth to universes. Uh, kind of looks like everything in you know that kind of makes sense to me in an intuitive yeah. level which would mean that this universe is not coming from nothing it's coming from the past just like everything else and that the the universe yeah. is, is doing what universes have already done just like my body's doing what bodies have already done and that in that way just as as in biology it's kind of okay to talk about something having a a telos having a goal because an organism wants to to fulfill its potential as that particular organism, then we can reintroduce that to the universe and go, well, the universe is doing what universes do uh, just in a new creative way. It's growing into a, a realized universe and, and, and it's gonna repeat those things in a new chaotic way, just like my body has, um, and fulfill the repetition of the past pattern. Yeah, the, you mentioned Roger Penrose and, and his work. I guess I'd, I'd also like to uh, just to bring up uh, the name of Lee Smolin. Oh, Lee Smolin. I, I, do you know Lee? I don't know him personally. I don't either. No, I'd love to because I... Well, get him on your program. Blows, get him over yeah, here. Yeah, I would love to because his work blows me away. Of all the physicists, he's the one I keep yeah. on going, wow, that's, I, I like that. Exactly. So just using his idea and, yeah. and in light of what you're saying, that um, he's seen a sequence, a sequence of... of a universe coming forth and then collapsing and then out of that coming forth a new universe so that it it fits very nicely with your philosophical overview in that there's a learning that's taking place so this accumulation of of learning through time i mean the the universe that's coming forth now benefits from yeah. what has happened before the same way you have benefited from Carl Jung and others, yeah. as you just mentioned. And I, I just think that is also, that's a fantastic vision of, of seeing ourselves. And here's one of the reasons I love it so much. And let's see if you, if this is something you care about. The, um, the view of, of Cartesian um, science, as you know, is that is this separation so we have the psyche in in the human and then the matter out there is dead it's inert and that and then the view of of scientific law is that the law itself is eternal and it's in control of the matter now that that is, in a certain sense is that that view has worked but it, it has horrendous implications namely that that humans can, can organize the dead matter out there any way they want. 
And so I think a lot of the destruction taking place in the ecosystems of the planet goes back directly to the idea that, that the earth is just stuff that's inert and that we are the ones who are intelligent and can manipulate it. Now, but if you go into the view that you are articulating and it connects up with Lee Smolin, there aren't any eternal laws. Rather, there is this realization of creative potential. And so that it is suddenly intelligence, feelings, spirituality, creativity suffuses everything. And so we are, we're participating again in this great drama that includes, that includes every entity of the universe. So I, I really love that, that orientation. Um, looking at the anthropic principle, as you brought up, the, the way in which it's such a fantastic universe, it's because of the, the long series of learning, investigation, adventure that we have gone through. We meaning all of the beings that have come before us because we're all here still working. Yeah, I, 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 I love that vision very much. And, and, and the, the, you know, the, the idea of replacing laws with nature, with habits of nature, I think that really works. I was just looking at, I think it was Pierce, I think it was first came up with it in America a long time ago. And, and, yeah. and, you know, I just, yeah. I mean, and again, it, it, it takes another problem like, well, where do these laws exist exactly? And, yeah. and, yeah. and it just goes, look, it's, it, it's what I call pastivity. The, the past is, is everything. The past is like, has like a gravity to a weight to it. It keeps things the same. Things repeat. And then the, yeah. the, the, this other thing, this creative formless potentiality keeps things different. And every moment yeah. is those two getting it on and, and, and transforming the past and, and, and changing it in some way. And then you can see on the, if I look around me right now at the different levels of emergence, on the purely physical level, that level of creativity is quite low and it's pretty much going to repeat. But once it becomes on the biological level, the creativity is much greater and it doesn't repeat so much. Once I get onto the non-physical level of soul or psyche, wow, the creativity is really full on now. Now, now I have no idea what I'm going to say next, let alone you. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and so it's, it's, you can see that the, the emergence of this greater potentiality for the creativity to engage as, as things yeah. become more emergent. Yes, and let me tie it back into uh, Peirce, just because you brought him up and he's, he's such a massive genius. Charles Sanders Peirce, and he, uh, he was a madman. I mean, he was just so brilliant, so wild. And he, he, his, he's really the one that established an orientation that regarded the laws, as you say, as habits. But I just wanted to bring one more, one more uh, word in. He, he regarded matter as, as thought that had become hidebound in habits. So that, that <clears throat> going, picking up on what you just said about these levels of, of creativity, at one time, at one time, if you go back into the fireball, um, or maybe even previous universes at one time the creativity was was so alive that's a level of elementary particles they didn't know how to interact yeah they didn't they explored yeah. they investigated and then over time they found harmonious ways yeah and so then they they became what he calls hidebound 
So that you know that in other words, the the they 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 succeeded. They had found a way to build harmony, and that became the platform, the the foundation for creativity to to investigate something new. Yeah, and just as you say, so that we, so just we in 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 our conversation in our explorations, we are that same creativity that was once alive as elementary particles, but is now in the form of humans. Yeah, and when we when we reach. My my speculation is that is that when we give birth to the creative possibilities that we have as human beings, that we too will pass into a um, a fixed state and possibly go extinct, so that the <laughs> energy moves forth. Well, uh, what I do th- the, the 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 one that I play with with exactly that, Brian um, was. Yeah, thinking, okay, so, so it took a while before the forms of atoms could knew how to be atoms, and then they did, and then they did from then on. And then when you see the birth of life, you get the same thing. It's like it can, it can exist for like a moment, and then gone, and then a little bit longer, and then gone. And my suspicion, and this is pushing the edge, is that with the emergence of this non-physical domain we're experiencing right now, we're always experiencing it, but you know, where we're having these thoughts, is that that, that also... Um, uh, has taken on, has has taken as gradually become itself, and that's why, uh, and that's the essence of the immortality of the soul. Is that it's once that level has become crystallized enough, information on that level, it can sustain itself, and that I suspect just as uh, that life had to go like this before it managed to to sustain itself for any length of time, that the 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 psyche has been the same, that it's. That there's been a process in the emergent um, journey whereby it's it's developed as something which can exist in its own right in in yeah i know um yes i even i just to take it another step <clears throat> um again this is uh, speculation but um my sense is that uh as as we deepen into an understanding of of the eternal dimension uh, that is also a part of our existence. Uh, that will be part. That will that will be related to what I was just saying before, of of the human species giving birth to uh, its own potential. I think we are we are a species that that has intimations of eternity and of immortality but but in time that will be it'll be widespread it will be it will be a feature of homo sapiens yeah and 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 that will make such an immense difference for us yeah because so much of the of the destruction the needless destruction that we're involved in as is related to um being terrified of death and when we're eased out of that we will enter into realms of creativity that we can only dream about right now. Yeah, yeah, because they are dreams. And, and, yeah, and right. And, and I think one of the big jumps I would like to see happen is we stop seeing psyche generally and dreams and all as unreal. Yeah. And instead see them as a very highly level of, of, of emergent reality that they are. You know, the, the great example on that is, is um, I mean, the perfect example, even though I'm not an expert here, 
in the history of science, but Rene Descartes. So he, he had these amazing dreams that completely altered his life. And then when he writes his philosophy, he never mentions them. Or at least he says, it's almost like, don't do as I did, do as I say. Just have clear and distinct ideas that are mathematical. I mean, it's, he is such a, a hybrid um, the, the, the story I, I mean, I, I haven't checked it out, sir, but the story I remember from, from my studies of that period was, was with Randy Descartes was the, this idea, this vision that you could understand reality by throwing a grid across it. Yeah. Um, which was huge. I mean, immense insight. Yeah. Was suggested to him by an angel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There it is. <laughs> So we got the grid, and, and he threw out the angel. <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> there it is, exactly. It's so interesting. The, um, the, if, you know, the number of people that have told me they've, they've had a, um, <clears throat> a dream, like a deep dream, that altered their life, yeah. the rest of their life. Yeah. And yet there's still the sense of the dream as being unreal, right? Yeah. Or yeah. the same thing will happen you know, I live in California, so that a number of people have had like one psychedelic experience, yeah, which altered their entire life. Now, you, you want to explain that as as like a, as like a chemical interaction? No, yeah, this is an entrance into another domain of reality: dreams, psychedelic experiences, deep awakening in nature. All of them, th those are more real than the things we take for real in our economic uh, orientations. So let me, let me throw one more idea in your direction just to see what you make of it. And, and um, cause this is, this is because of what you've just said, Brian, I'm trying to articulate this and I want to, tr I want to say the universe has evolved from basic matter into a story. It is because the, the, uh, the, the fact that we experience our lives as stories, that, I'm a, that, that you're part of my story, you know, I read your book, I met you briefly, I got the chance to connect with you again, I really wanted to have this conversation. It's like, I, I, and we met, and the first thing we said, how's your story, basically, to each other. We, we experience ourselves as stories, and they really matter, and yet the, the view is, that's epiphenomenal, that's kind of a thing we tell about what life really is. And my sense is, is that right? Or is the whole thing been developing into this non-physical dimension where things don't connect through cause and effect, they connect through narrative, through meaning, and that it's given birth to stories, not as an epiphenomena, but as a very emergent level of reality? Uh, I am... Um... <laughs> I realize... Uh... <laughs> with this question that I, I, it's, it's probably important for me to, um, to say something about my perspective, by which I mean that um, I, all of us that, who, 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 who think and wonder, we, 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 end on, we go on certain pathways and we deepen our understanding and we want, we want to know the truth, but at the same time, we're aware that it's so uh, mysterious 
that all of us have to have to be honest about how we have a certain perspective. So I, I have a perspective that I have developed over a lifetime and I see everything inside of that perspective. I don't pretend to, to be uh, able to step outside of myself and, and look at everything freshly. I just don't. I, I look at it inside of a, um, of a decades-long process that has become very differentiated. So having said that, I, I, I think of... Um, <laughs> I think of the, the universe as having um, entered into the form of the human. So I, I feel myself, I feel like I am the universe in the form of a human, just in the same way that a, a hippopotamus is the universe in the form of hippopotamus. But my understanding of the universe is that it's a story. So I, so the, the story of the universe understands itself as story inside of me, as me. So I, that's, that's my interpretation of, of the whole thing. And so some people don't like it, but I mean, I, but I think you and I have been swept up by the, um, the story of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's got to be a fantastic place to end this <laughs> bit of our conversation, Brian. What a wonderful line. And, and it beautifully comes back to where we started. So, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Jim. This has been fun. <laughs> yeah, it really has. Cool. I wish you all the best in your work. Keep, just keep going. I, I, I look forward to all of your interviews. And, well, I know that they're helping people all over. It's just a great work you're doing. Yeah, we need, well, I suspect you, as well as everyone knows that it's not always easy. And yeah. I think it is really yeah. good to feel supported by each other and encouraged. Yeah. Absolutely. And know that other people are out there doing their best. And you know, one's little tiny little area, which feels very, very small, is doing some good. Yes, that's exactly. And, we're, and it's all interconnected. So we're all And it's part. all interconnected. Yeah, yeah. Good. Perfect.